Tony's going to come up and give us our long-awaited Bible reading and share for us what he's prepared from the book of Acts this morning. Yeah, I just want to recognise there's been so many people who've worked together to get this morning together. Uh, I appreciate uh, Graham's uh, thoughts. Um, some people don't realise that um, the government doesn't pay the church. Um, some governments do. Um, uh, not many. But uh, some people think that somehow the Baptist Association must have this big pot of money that they pour into churches. Well, they don't. And uh, so everything that you see here has been been given by the, the body of believers here. Um, everything. Um, we have lights, we have chairs, we have... Uh, we have a building because they've been faithful giving over many years and uh, it's got to recognise and be thankful to God for those people and uh, we, we as a community are invited to be a part of that as we move forward. Uh, we've been given much and uh, let's be prepared to give for the future generations. We're uh, going to continue in Acts um, and we've got to understand the Bible is one story. One big story. There's lots of parts in that story. From, but from Genesis to Revelation is one story of how God is going to restore and to heal the world. Um, that's a part of our purpose as a church. We, we're in, and we are invited into this purpose. And Jesus Christ is the way we understand the whole of the Bible. You see, he is the, the big serpent crusher of Genesis 3. He is the one who is the like Melchizedek in Genesis. He is the one who is the Passover lamb. He is the Joshua who takes us into the promised land. He is the Messiah we long for, the, the one that we've, we hope for, that was hoped for. The Old Testament all points to Jesus. The, the Gospels that Sam reads to flow every night is pointing to Jesus, it's revealing Jesus. And the rest of the whole of the New Testament explains how we are to live. If Jesus truly is the Messiah, how are we to live? In Acts chapter 1, we start with this message that Jesus told the disciples to wait for power to come on high. And in chapter 2, uh, we see in verses 1 to 4, the, the disciples filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, baptised in the Holy Spirit, which we recently looked at and it was a strange thing that was happening and if it happened here today we would be horrified and shocked we would be uncomfortable let me assure you yeah let me read from uh, acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4 when the day of pentecost came they're all together in one place it's the the disciples suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each other. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled. <clears throat> At this time we have many people from different nations come and they actually start hearing people speaking in other tongues, in, in, in their own languages and I'm looking around here, and uh, what, what, what would be some of the languages that you, from your homeland? You know, the, we've got some Greek people here. There's a bit of, bit of Greek. 
Um, uh, we'd have uh, Samoan, we'd have maybe a bit of uh, Spanish, thank you. Honorine, David, what, what language your home, what's your home language? Swahili? Yeah, I thought maybe, I didn't like to, yeah, Swahili. Indian? And even some American, imagine that. I don't know how we'd understand that. Tagalog. All these languages that, well, you would be amazed if I started talking and you could hear me in those languages, couldn't, wouldn't you? You'd be just amazed. And that's what was happening. The spirit had touched them and, and something was remarkably happening. They were told to wait for 10 days for the spirit to come upon them on high. And for them and for us, we've been waiting for God to, and for the spirit to continue to change us. I hope that you've been experienced, that you are prepared to allow the spirit of God to touch your heart. In verse 12 of, uh, of Acts chapter 2, they ask the right question. What does this mean? Uh, so imagine this. I'm speaking your particular mother tongue, your home, your home language. And you would say, wouldn't you, what, is that, what does this mean? God is at work here. What does this mean? Something, this is, this is unusual. What does it mean? It's of God. What does it mean? And we'll see if we, that's my thing's still not working. So would you mind clicking for me? Verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, addressed the, the crowd. Fellow Jews of, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what is spoken of the prophet Joel. What do we know about the prophet Joel? How's your knowledge of the prophet Joel? Well, I must admit, during the week in preparing, I thought I'd better brush up on my understanding of what Joel said. But, you know, for them, it would have just been, they would have known straight away. You know, it's, it's a bit like us remember Gallipoli. And if you're a part of the Australian culture and history, you your mind goes straight to the stories you've been told. Remember when Cook landed? We weren't there, but we've heard stories, haven't we? It's a part of our culture. And for them, when Peter said, it's just like Joel, they know instantly what he's talking about. And what we see is that they had this common history, their, their, their history and their religious history and their stories were all the same. So they grew up in Joel. And Joel was a prophet who was, had reminded Israel, he reminded Israel that God had saved them from their enemies in the past. That when they were oppressed, when they were struggling, they were saved by they were saved by God who had led them. But Israel now was as bad as Egypt. Where once Egypt oppressed, Israel was now as bad as Egypt. Egypt was their own oppressors. And so Joel says this to them. I think my click is working. 
Joel says, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. You see, in the Jewish history, in the culture, if I wanted to sort of show you how sorrowful and wonderfully godly I would, I am, I would actually rend, I would rip my clothes. I would show you how wretched I am and you would go, oh, believe me, he's, he's so godly, isn't he? Look, look, he's ripped his good jacket. Um, and that's how they would show their spirituality, let's say. But here, Joel says, don't rend your clothes. Rend, you know what word? Rend means to rip. Don't rip your clothes. Rip open your heart. This is Joel's message. Rip open your heart. Repent. Change the way you're thinking. Change your way you're acting. And we see why in Joel chapter 2, verse 27. This is why they should do that. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. Joel says, you will know, this is God's words obviously, you will know that I am in Israel. The presence of God is in Israel. And somehow they'd forgotten it. And this was the whole point of all things, that God would actually be with his people. Remember Eden, when Adam and Eve were there, God met with his people. Remember stories of Abraham, that God met with his people. In the Exodus, the camp was all set out. And what's at the very centre of the camp? The tabernacle. And what is... Found in the ta- the tabernacles where God dwelt, God was amongst in amongst His people. That's the whole purpose and plan of God to, to actually be connected closely, intimately related with His people. It was their identity. It was because they were special. Because God was actually with them. God wasn't up there somewhere. God was actually with His people. It, connected, relating, and in the midst of his people. Their identity had been lost because they had forgotten that God was there. Religion is meant to lead us, the best of religious practices is meant to lead us to God and intimacy with God. But they thought that somehow the religious practices was all that mattered. So... If we take that to today, we come to church, we read the Bible, we pray, there you go, I'm right with God. But all these things are meant for one thing, for you to be closer to God, to draw near to God, to know that God, your God is with you. And then we, we read what, in Joel, what Peter says. And afterwards, afterwards after you realise that I am in your midst, I am with you, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. 
you young men will see visions, even on our servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days and I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth and blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved from from on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. There will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even amongst the, the survivors whom the Lord calls. And Peter is telling them, remember Joel? Do you remember Joel? Well, that's what's happening here. This, this is the fulfilment. God is here. God is here. But you've booted God out, haven't you? You've, you've killed his son. You've, you've killed, you executed God's son. He says, verse 22, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did among you through him. So this is God at work, as you yourself know. What happens when you boot God off? What happens if you, when, you, when you tell God where he can go? Well, that's what they've done. Well, they've done worse than that. Actually, they, they killed the, the, the very Emmanuel, the, the presence of God in them. What do you do? Well, there were some parables about that in the Gospels. I'm sure if we've got Flo up here, she could tell us about the parable of the ones with the evil, um, the parable of the evil tenants. Remember how the servants came to get the, get the rent and they, they beat them and finally the son came and... That's what happens when you boot God out of your life. What about the, the master who went on a long journey? That's, that's what happens. What about the ten women who are waiting for the wedding day? You know, the, the, foolish, the foolish women uh, who, who uh, used the oil? Uh, didn't use. That's what happens. That's what happens when you boot God out of your life. Peter goes on, This man was handed over to you by God deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of the wicked men, of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it's impossible for death to keep to keep its hold on him. And this is the this is the the thing of nightmares and horrors, isn't it? You know, the, you know the nightmares when you you kill the the monster and he keeps coming out. Yeah, he so it keeps getting up. There's many many movies have been done like this, but here they, they've killed God's son, but he's been raised from the dead. He he is. It's impossible to for death to keep him down. And but Peter explains that they should have realised this was going to happen because, verse 25, David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also rests in the hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. They should have expected Jesus 
They, it's totally aligned with what God's plan was that Jesus should rise again from the dead. You will not let the Holy One see decay. Three days in the tomb. You've made known to me the path of life. You'll fill me with joy in your presence. Death could not hold him down, and joy is found in the presence of God. Jesus Christ, God incarnate, God in the flesh, God who took on bodily form, put to death on the cross, raised to life, and joy is to be our, joy is to be our experiences while we come into this relationship with Jesus Christ, when we, when we realise that Jesus is here in our midst, as the body of Christ come together here on a Sunday morning, in a special way, here is the body of Christ. When you've been out about in your week, every, every moment of the day, the good news is that the spirit of the living God has been with you. There are times when I think most of us would say, yes, that's, that's true. The, we, we, the Bible says that. The big tick. I think our struggle sometimes is feeling that to be true. You know what I mean? They're actually feeling, being aware that the spirit of the living God is with us every day in every moment. Do we feel the experience of the presence of God? Why do we often go through life as though God is not with us? Why, why is it that we often go through life and our, our day when we don't even give God a thought? We know that to be true, but our experience can often be so much different. And for me, it's a matter of training my mind to know the truth and to experience the truth. And there are times when I'm having... Do you have dialogues with yourself in your mind? This is where I really appreciate saying, yeah, I do, because I don't want to be the only one here because dialogue... Okay, yeah, good, yeah. So you have dialogues with God in your mind. Um, I find that sometimes I have to invite God into this dialogue. I've got to, I've got to actually stop and say, hang on, God, can you come into this discussion with me? Can we talk about this together? And rather than me just dialoguing, because you know what, the spirit of the living God is with us always, but sometimes we forget or we act as though he's not. So for me, it's a matter of training my mind. But what do you do when you do kill the tenant's son? What do you do when you realise that you've just executed God in the flesh. Verse, oh, I, didn't get, I didn't write the, oh, sorry, 37 says, When the people heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? That's a good question. What do we do? And do you remember what Joel told Israel? Joel told Israel to rend your heart and not your garments. And we see that these men, and probably women, doesn't mention it, 
were cut to the heart. Verse 40. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accept this message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to that number that day. Baptism, of course, is the outward expression of, of what happens in my heart. If I, rend, if, if I bring God into my heart, if I rend my heart and allow room, that's when I become a new person in Christ, that's when I follow Jesus. And Jesus says that's a good time to be baptised. And let me encourage you, if you've not been baptised, as it an expression of a sign of your outward, re, the outward sign of your inward reality, it's a really good idea to be baptised. But what happens when our hearts have been torn open, we allow God to come near and we accept the Spirit of God into our hearts? I think if your heart is torn or cut, I think it's uncomfortable. Pam raised this even just a couple of weeks ago. I know I banged on it last week, but let me do it again this week. It's never comfortable when our hearts are torn open or the Spirit of God cuts us to our heart. What's he removing? He's removing pride. He removes arrogance. He takes away our sin. There's a hardness of heart, a callous, you know, the calluses, you know what a callous is? That hard bit? God can cut the callousness of our heart. And then he does what the Old Testament talks about. He, he takes out the, the heart of stone and puts the heart of flesh into it. We, uh, we as a group have been, um, we as a church have been asking the Spirit of God to touch our hearts. And I wonder how that's going for you. You know what happens when the Spirit of God touches our heart, when we've, we've had our hearts rendered, where we've been open to the Spirit of God, when, when we recognise that the, that the God is in our midst, the God is in my life? Crazy things, things like verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It was a devotion to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. These are the things that happen as a result of having your, your hearts torn. That, that You know what? We matter because we are the church. We are the community, the people of God. I know that we as a, in our society think, well, I can just come along and do what I want. I can be as committed as I want. But, you know, we belong to one another. We are that family. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to another, to anyone who had need. So there was no poverty in this community. There was no one going hungry. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with great and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of the people. 
And the Lord added to their number daily. We're going to see during the book of Acts, as we go through Acts, we're going to see God do something remarkable and then there's going to be this, Luke is writing this, there's going to be this little line that will say, what's the outcome? And the outcome is here. The first one is the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. What if we believe all the orthodox doctrines of the church? We believe that Jesus is God's son. We believe that he died. We believe that he raised again. We believe that the Holy Spirit is sent to us, that his presence is with us. We believe that the Bible is the word of God, that the church is the... But what happens if we don't actually live as though we're... Christ is the centre of our lives. We just become a, an organisation, don't we? But here we have the opportunity to draw near to God every day. And I think it's an act of our will every day. Let me ask you the question, what's stopping you drawing near to God in a new way today? What is stopping you? I think um, sometimes it's the busyness of life. We actually forget. But here is God's not going to stop pursuing you because God is a God of love. And sometimes there'll be pain involved with it because you'll be cut to the heart because the most important thing for us is to know we are loved by God and feel the connection. No one wants to be in a, would want to be in a loveless relationship where, where joy and joy is, is not experienced. We don't want to be in a loveless relationships, whether it's a marriage, friendships, whatever. God does not want to be in a loveless relationship and neither do we, I don't think. So what's stopping you from rending your heart and letting the Spirit of God fill it in a new and, and, new and exciting way? I want to pray. Um, I want to, just as we pray, I would love to encourage you What's stopping you opening your heart to this loving, wonderful God and allowing the Spirit of God to take you places where you never imagined? Maybe it's fear. It might be fear. I understand that. I feel the fear. Maybe it's... Um, a fear of lack of control. And Father, I'm just going to pray that, that we would be open to you. We can trust you. We know. We know it intellectually. But I pray, Father, you'd help us to open our hearts to you. Lord, that you'd um, cut the callous parts of our heart away, remove them. Maybe there's, uh, maybe there's parts that, uh, that are cancerous. Maybe there's parts that um, 
Yeah, just a dead. Lord, would you remove those through your spirit? And although it may be painful, we trust you. You're our Father in heaven. The son, your Son, Jesus, he invites us to call, call him friend. And you give us your Holy Spirit to be our constant companion and guide. Lord, may we have hearts open to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.